0: now live on facebook which is fantastic great hello, oh hello facebook microphone yep and i'm gonna get live on instagram but you would think i know how to do a post on instagram wouldn't you one would think so and there am my caliber god how do you how do you go um so good evening facebook hi i've got some questions here which i will be going through and uh i'm just gonna uh because uh i'm such an influencer i'm actually currently as we speak i have reason to believe i'm live on youtube and i'm also going to be do it on instagram what is it craze post story igtv videos i've never done it this way holy schmoly story i think it is is it here we go there we go yep yep done it found it um talk amongst yourselves i'll be with you with the first question and just as a little teaser the first question is about a tattoo i'm going to put it up i'm going to put it up there you go why is my tattoo not suitable for excision photo what other options should i look at is laser appropriate so uh i'm going to multitask because i'm going to type in live q a with jj siano comma plastic surgeon so i've got to be honest we i get uh, barely a day goes by where i don't have a um tattoo sent to me a photo of a tattoo so uh we i get a lot of photos of tattoos good evening instagram um there you go i got a lot of photos of tattoos so just to uh, sorry for you and i was earlier on facebook uh kimberly owen how are you kimberly good to see you here jackie crimes is on facebook look at that uh normally an instagram person but there you go uh good to see you on facebook kim and family's there so i get a lot of photos of tattoos sent to me um and i was thinking it's probably about 80 to 90 percent of them are not suitable for excision and um it is basically based on the size and the location of the tattoo and so we've got a photo here uh uh, evening kimberly i'm good are you i am good yes thank you kimberly nice to see you here tonight so uh here's a photo which i'm going to show in the stream there you go and yes instagram don't worry i've got it on instagram how's that there you go so this is a photo of a tattoo on a shoulder uh it's a uh actually can you see this on youtube yeah i I think you should go to see it on youtube anyway it's quite a large um uh tattoo on the the shoulder and the two things that you've got to look at when you're looking at uh, removing a tattoo are the size and the location so this is fairly large I, i should actually also say i'm going to add something to that i'm going to put three things in there the shape as well um because what you're looking at is you're looking at the 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 um The minimum dimension is the important one, if that makes sense. So, if it is a long and thin tattoo, that might be possible to remove by excision because the minimum dimension would be quite thin. If it's only a centimeter wide, but very very long, like you know, um, twenty centimeters long, that's still suitable because that one centimeter is the sort of the 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 closure. I think I might have to formulate this a bit more. I um, okay, yeah, there you go. Ta- tattoo, how to, really, what tattoos are suitable. I've got a blog post, to, you know, make a note of it. Because, um, so basically a round shape is bad because the minimum dimension is is the diameter. Whereas an oblong is better or a rectangle is better than a square. Yeah. so anyway, so with this tattoo, it is quite long. Um, sort of up across here but actually the minimum dimension is not that bad so it's you know it is it is in sort of more of an oblongy shape which is good but it's uh, it is nevertheless quite large even even w- with the fact that it's an oblongy shape and it's on a really bad place the, te- the shoulder is a really bad place for a scar there's a very high risk of, of hypertrophic scars keloid scars uh, on the shoulder and there's not a huge amount of spare skin. I think there is some spare skin, um, you know, and it's and it's difficult for me because, you know, because it, it could it be excised and often it could be excised. So this one could be excised. If it was, if that was a cancer, say there, in the, of the same dimensions, it could be removed, um, but it's not, it's a tattoo and it's a sort of cosmetic thing. And so the worry is that the scar could look worse than the tattoo. It wouldn't, I don't think, come out in one go. It would need several goes. And because it's on the the, the shoulder, you're moving the shoulder all the time. So it's just not great that, you know, there'll be tension on the wound and things. So I would say that would need maybe four goes. General anaesthetic, probably, or local and sedation. You know, you you couldn't do it on a pure local. It's quite a big area. Or at least there'll be a push to put it under, lo- do it under pure local, um, and leave a massive, great, long scar. And so, all in all, all things considered, I would probably. Th- I think it's easier just to say that tattoo is not suitable for excision um, because of because of the uh, all of the above. Um, so, what option should I look at? Is laser appropriate? Um, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I always say first line with tattoos is laser. So I think, you know, pretty much the majority of patients that I see have actually at least considered laser. And I think, you know, if laser works, there are a lot of good things about it uh, compared to excision because obviously excision leaves you a big scar, whereas laser would not leave a scar and just often leaves a sort of mark, maybe leaves a sort of ghost of where the tattoo used to be. And sometimes you see somewhere that it looks like it's completely gone. So laser would be appropriate. And it is good that it is black, which is good, um, but it is quite dark black, isn't it? Um, so there doesn't seem to be too much color in it. So color not so great. Um, Jackie, you're doubling up. Good to see that. Um, color is not so great on... Um, On um, for laser. So uh, there are some good things about it, but I'm not an expert on laser. So I would say that you should see someone who is uh, an expert on laser to see what the options for that would be. But I, I would definitely think if you haven't considered laser, I think laser would be the first called before considering uh, surgical excision and I have to be honest that I don't think it is particularly suitable for surgical excision unless you absolutely despise it and uh, you've accepted that it's going to leave an ugly looking scar it's going to look like you've broken your shoulder or something you know massive great long scar risk of keloid scarring and need several attempts so not attempts, but several sessions. Uh, at uh, uh, and when it's a general slash local sedation, that's going to make it quite expensive because there's an, going to be an anesthetist involved, and it's not something we can do on a local anesthetic in the clinic. So, sorry, yet another sorry. I often do sorries on the uh, on the tattoos because they are not often not suitable for excision. So I think this one is just a little bit too big in a bad location. So now I've got to work out how to get the photo off. Uh, stop sharing, oh, that was easy. And hide, Well, oh, there you go, Okay, oh, you go. Um, Khan says hello, hello Khan, nice to see you. And Nick says, hashtag Ask JJ, just getting the hashtag in there randomly without even asking a question. So that's to be uh, commended, Nick, thank you for that. Thank you for helping us get the hashtag Ask JJ trending, which is, um, uh you know what's gonna happen surely oh look connie's asked a question connie gray boy what why does a consultation cost so much oh connie it's funny you should say that connie are you a that almost makes me think you're a um what's the word someone that you i put in to ask the question you know like when people charlatans do that anyway i shouldn't say that because we're going to think i do i don't know connie honestly i don't so that's a good question connie the reason i say that connie is because i am working on a um concept um of what we call in the clinic passport and to, to exactly address that question why does a consultation cost so much um so a consultation with me is uh 200 pounds with Kuremus or as, um, is £100. This is for a major, no, not, not rude at all. It's a great question. This is for a major procedure like a breast augmentation or, or something like that. Um, we also do £35 sort of uh, virtual things where we have a chat basically. But yeah, essentially it's 100 or £200 for a for a minor procedure in terms of the fact that it would be a, a local anesthetic case like um, a mole or something like that. Uh, what we normally do is ask for £100 where we do a see and treat uh, s- setting and um, but if you don't have the procedure done then we refund the consultation fee so essentially or that it's not really a consultation fee we refund the 100 pounds the deposit um, so essentially there's no consultation fee from a, from a mole or a assist or what have you but um, yes thank you for asking that question Connie and I'll tell you why it it, uh, it, it costs what it costs is because what we're uh, we're, we're looking at sort of um, rebranding it if you like or 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 um, or, or or adding adding value realizing what the value is with with a consultation and by calling a clinic passport because what it is and what what i want people want to get the message across is people who've been to the clinic are patients for for life basically so once you've been to the clinic anyone out there who's been to the clinic i hope knows this if they don't i'm telling you this now but i hope we try to try and get the message across if they've ever got any problems they can come back and see me if you and this is before so if you come for a consultation for something like a tummy tuck or a breast augmentation or reduction or something you can come back as often as you want to the clinic before the surgery and also after the surgery if you've ever got any problems if your wound's not healing up properly if you're worried the shape's not right scars not right whatever you can come back as often as you want and in fact we encourage you to come back um, because we want to see how you're getting on. Uh, and then uh, once you so we normally see you at one week post op, then well the Vicky sees you at one week for the dressing, I see you at six weeks, three months, six months, twelve months, and then yearly. We'll have everybody a yearly follow-up. Um so that is we don't charge for any of those consultations. So the only consultation you pay for is the initial consultation. So it's almost like that consultation is including this, what we call in the clinic passport. It's including this clinic passport to to sort of come to the clinic as often as you want once you're a patient. I haven't finished, Connie. What do you mean? Thank you. I haven't finished. The other thing thing is, um, yes, it costs a a lot of money, and I accept that a lot of people are seeing different people and um, maybe looking for something that maybe we can't help with. So we have this thing called a satisfaction guarantee, which means we will fund you the consultation fee if we can't help you or if you're not happy or you think that wasn't really worth it fine we refund you the consultation fee because as I say it's not really a consultation fee it's a passport to have to the clinic for for life basically um so if you think actually that's not the place for me I don't, didn't like that guy he's a bit of a not a very helpful person then that's fine we'll give you back the money so you know because so so I hope that everyone feels like they get value out of it and it really is because a lot of places a lot of uh, other sort of doctors will charge for every consultation if you go back another year five years ten years they'll charge you again the other thing is we don't charge if you come back for a different problem as well so that's why we're sort of um making it clear in terms of this clinic passport the clinic is open to you so if you come for breast implants and you want a tummy tuck in a couple of years you come back you don't have to pay another 200 pounds you come back it's, it's free you know there's a there's a you don't have to pay for any consultations even if it's for something unrelated to the initial thing um and we also offer free consultations to anyone that you um uh, any friend or family or anyone that you recommend to us so that's what the consultation sort of covers if you like rather than just saying it's 200 pounds for an hour um uh, with me it's 200 pounds for as many consultations as you want or you need um before or after surgery as well as for different procedures as well as if you refer a friend or what have you they will get a free uh consultation so it's it's about trying to re I know it sounds a lot doesn't it when you says it's, a, it's a 200 pounds for a consultation like, flipping it, 200 pounds for an hour of his time god he must be rolling in it but um, it, it's sort of it's it's a lot of the consultations that I do are follow-up consultations for people who I've already seen so obviously all of those are not charged for that's a good question um, Connie thank you for asking that and as I say I'm writing up um, uh, um, in fact it's going to be the lead article of the newsletter um, I believe um, so that is um, that is what we're trying to get out to patients and I hope I hope patients already know that they got you know access to it but uh, that, that's that that's it yeah <laughs> I should have taped that and then wouldn't have to write the article I've written it already actually um uh Leticia Jeffrey hi how long before surgery do i need to stop smoking good question atisha so the the answer to that question is first of all what surgery so i'm assuming it's a bigger thing like a tummy tuck or a mastopexy or a i don't know a breast implant, rather than a mole or a cyst or something like that so if it's a minor procedure we don't really um i mean it's always good to stop smoking really but you don't really we don't really make a big deal of it if it's a if it's a small mole on your face or something like that But certainly for a bigger operation, certainly for something that you're gonna be closing tight, like a mastopexy or a uh, breast lift, it is essential that you stop smoking. Ideally six weeks beforehand, that is the ideal. Um, But if um, the really essential time is from the day of surgery to two weeks afterwards, that's the healing time. So if you smoke in that time, you're gonna reduce the blood flow to your skin and increase your risk of wound healing problems. And it can be an absolute disaster. If, I'm, if as I say, you're having one of those tight closing operations like tummy tucks, breast lifts, facelifts. I don't do facelifts, but it's the same concept. Anything that's sort of tight is uh, bad news. So six weeks, ideally, it's essential for the two weeks from the day of surgery to, uh, to two weeks afterwards. Um, that's my thing, Natisha. I don't know if you're my patient. So if, if you're not my patient, you better check with your surgeon because that's my, um, it's, it's not sort of written in stone there. Kimberly, can't wait for my surgery. I can't wait either, Kimberly. not long now. Um, Donatella, but the £200 is a one-off fee. It's very thorough and you never have to pay again. How many times I contact you? There you go. What Donatella said. So, yes, it does seem like a lot when it's an upfront fee, but it's sort of like an upfront cost, which sort of covers you for the future. So you don't have to keep on paying. So that's that's the point that I'm trying to get across with the, with the fact that it seems like a lot for a consultation fee. Kimberly Owen, me. Is that me? My, me, so, me, so me, yeah. I came back a number of times. Donatella came back a l- number of times and I've had an amazing aftercare for everything. Donatella and come and see us and have a, well, I will say have a cup of tea. We're not allowed to give you a cup of tea at the moment, but I believe, I think, don't quote me on this. But I think after the 17th of May, they're saying, we're allowed to give you a cup of tea. Uh, That was was the word on the the street. So there you go. You might be able to have a cup of tea rather than just a bottle of water. So uh, that's very exciting news. Um, But yes, thank you, Donatella. It's fabulous value. Thank you very much. Very good of you to say so. Um, Kimberly felt very comfortable when she came for her consultation. And Kimberly, I hope you know that you can come back as often as you want um and that's good and, and i say that to everybody i do say genuinely i'd rather you came back more often than uh than worried about stuff at home um who are booking for the 18th yes booking for the 18th. <laughs> a cup of tea it'll be worth it for a cup of tea slash coffee slash hot chocolate uh we're not in hot chocolate weather are we really well you might want it depends on the time of day i like hot chocolate early on sometime lunchtime especially if you had a couple of teas jay carver's joined good to see you um donatella as a client that feels valued i have recommended to a few others none of whom have had to pay the fee and one became a client absolutely yes so that's that's the thing so it's it's um what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to build a community because i feel that that is lacking in some plastic surgery clinics i feel that i hear that people are not really being looked after, they've got an issue, they've got a problem, they're not really being listened to. Um, And I get the impression that that is what some people feel is the way that plastic surgery clinics operate, but it isn't. And uh, that's what I am trying my best to to do in, in real life, but also to communicate to people that you know, it, it's, it is a community thing. Yes, you pay a consultation fee, um, but it but it's it's to become part of the community sort of thing. <laughs> become part of a, you know, and, and I hope that you know that you can come back as often as you want. And that, actually, we welcome you to come back, even if you're not worried about anything, come back, you know, post-op. I want people to come back. I wanna see how you're getting on. I wanna see your results looking like a year, two years post-op. You know, I wanna see the results of my work. So, um, so yeah we that that is that is the ethos uh, and that is why the um we're trying to get it across that it's not sort of like a consultation fee that you have to pay sort of every time it's a, it's a as i say a passport to the clinic there you go uh, breast uplift with implants so um yes yeah, so that would be a bigger op so that would be natisha if you are a smoker um i don't believe you're my patient um because it is a absolute uh, uncategorized disaster to be smoking with uh, a, having a breast lift with implants. It is absolutely insane. So don't, for God's sake, please stop smoking. Um, as I say, I don't think you're my patient, so you better go with what your surgeon says. But I think most surgeons um would would say that smoking is a contraindication to surgery uh, I, I would go as far and i think a lot of us would go as far uh, to say it's an absolute contraindication to a breast up with, with implants and what that means is that if you can't stop smoking you've got to be true to yourself say look you know what i can't stop smoking. i've got to smoke don't have the surgery you know and we do that sometimes and you know, we do that in the NHS sometimes They say that you need big breast reductions they Say you look, you know, if you can't stop smoking, you're not going to do the surgery. And everyone says, oh, it's terrible. You're rationing, you're discriminating against smokers and everything, but the same is true in the private sector. So it's not about rationing surgery. It's not about, there's you know, we only can operate on some people and we're going to neglect the smokers. It's nothing to do with rationing. It's nothing to do with that. It is to do with getting the best result possible and as I say, you can have really bad complications. And if that wound doesn't heal up, um, particularly with the breast lift, because it's closed tight, if that wound doesn't heal up, if you get any infection, if that infection then gets to the implant, you have to remove the implant. So that is a nightmare, and that is a big deal, and that is something we really worry about in anyone. But in a smoker, um, yes, it would be uh, increased worry. And so I would say that if you can't stop smoking, I would advise you not to have the surgery. So it is absolutely essential to sure. But as I say, make, make your surgeon um, uh, ask your surgeon specifically about that. But um, it is I would strongly advise you um, to uh, either stop smoking or delay your surgery until you can stop smoking. Kimberly, what about gin and tonic? Uh, yeah, not not uh, Kimberly. We haven't even got the tea yet. Okay, we haven't even got the cups of the tea and coffee yet. So gin and tonic, I think that's pushing it a bit. But yeah, we'll start with the, with the tea and coffee. Um, michelle monday do you need to be under a certain bmi for a tummy tuck Mm, ideally well what i normally say is the most important thing is that you're happy and stable with your weight if you're not happy and stable with your weight regardless of your bmi you shouldn't have body contouring surgery body contouring surgery being things like tummy tucks breast lifts arm lifts thigh lifts etc so um you you shouldn't have it if you're not happy and stable with your weight so you really need to get to a stable sustainable weight because if you have any surgery to contour your body and then you go on and have weight fluctuations significant weight fluctuations i know we all live a life we're all gonna weight fluctuate is that a word fluctuate in our weight um but if you're going to have significant weight fluctuations after surgery, you can affect the result. Meaning that if you have, say, a tummy, was it a tummy tuck, yes, a tummy tuck. So if you have a tummy tuck and you put on weight, it will stretch the skin again, you know, even though you spent thousands of pounds. Similarly, if you have a tummy tuck and then you lose weight after the tummy tuck, you might be left with some hanging skin. Because that's the reason you had a tummy tuck in the first place, you know, or one of the big reasons for eating a tummy tuck is, is due to significant weight loss because the fat goes, but the skin doesn't recoil. So if you have a tummy tuck and then you lose weight, The skin won't recoil and you might be left with some redundant skin. So you need to be happy and stable with your weight, regardless of BMI. When people specifically ask for a BMI, well, then yes, there is some sort of guidance. It's not um, written in stone, but the guidance is normally 30 is the is the ballpark we give so if your BMI and the reason 30 is given is because there's been studies where they've looked at people with above and below a BMI of 30 and if you've got a BMI higher than 30 you've got a higher risk of complications and if you've got a BMI lower than 30 so if you can get your BMI below 30 that will be better but even if your BMI is below 30 if you still want to lose weight you're better off delaying surgery until you can get your BMI to a place where you want to be um just because it's below 30 doesn't mean you should go ahead have, have, have surgery then because as i say if you can lose a bit more weight then we might be able to make take some more skin away and make it tighter so yeah happy and stable number one ideally below 30 and then similarly some people have got huge uh have a huge weight loss have had a bmi of, of, of 44 or something and then got down to 32 or something so um you know there were, are circumstances where we will uh, do a bmi above 30 particularly when people have lost a lot of weight and maybe it's not realistic to to continue um, losing weight down to below 30 and they're happy with their weight as it, as it is. Um, now, you'd have to advise them there's an increased risk of uh, complications and if they did lose weight afterwards, they'd have uh, potentially an adverse um, effect on the result. But, so you can do it on a less than 30, but 30 is the ballpark. Long way of saying, long way of answering that question um debbie rs i'm new here where are you based please um i am based debbie rs in Edgebaston baston in birmingham in birmingham in Edgebaston. baston um it's sort of like um near five ways if you know that and so it's pretty central pretty central uh yeah there you go so um thank you very much love well thank you naticia and good luck with the smoking cessation michelle can you have a tummy tuck with breast reduction at the same time? Yes, uh, Michelle, you can. It's known as a mummy makeover. Any sort of combination of a tummy and a breast procedure is known as a mummy makeover. They, for a long time, or not I'll say a long time, for the last sort of six, seven months, we have not been doing them because of the COVID and because we've been trying to, do, um, trying to avoid doing longer operations restrictions are relaxing over in in many ways. And so these things are starting to be done again, uh, but it is sort of like a case-by-case basis, Michelle. So surgically, it's absolutely fine to have a tummy tuck and the breast reduction. Although I've got to be saying that's a big op. You know, I'm, having both is a big deal and we can talk about that. It's called a mummy makeover. I've done a blog on it about mummy makeover, one op or two, I think it's called, um, because some people say stage it, you know, do one and then the other, because it is a lot to go through. But it suits some people to get it all done in one go. So surgically, it's absolutely fine um the covid has made us uh given us some restrictions although we are starting to do these sorts of things again but it's a bit more of a case by case basis and we're sort of phasing it in a bit so yeah hopefully that that will become better you know we, we that become more commonplace as time goes on um yes infection yes infection yeah mm. Emma Lou, I have my consultation with you next week, and I stopped smoking two weeks ago. Well done, Emma Lou. So, so I can't, can have my surgery done, and you don't tell me off, Emma. I will not tell you off, Emma. I have got no problem with people smoking, and I won't tell you off. And it's absolutely fine if you want to smoke. I mean, obviously, for your health, it's not good, and you should stop smoking. You know, um, I will tell you that but if you want to carry on smoking that's absolutely fine that's the it's your life and um my family uh, my brother smokes my father smoked a lot so um you know it's fine to smoke uh if you wish to um but it's just that if you want to have surgery it's a problem so i won't tell you off but anyway you've given up so there you go that's good on you well done olivia's in the house Evening JJ and hashtag Ask JJ with no question. That's why I want to encourage this a bit more. A bit more hashtag Ask JJ, not even with a question. You know, just get the hashtag in. And then people ask, you know, anyway, it's good. Thank you. Thank you, Olivia. Get the numbers up. Renee. Renee. I had bad reaction to dissolvable stitches. Can breast reductions be done without dissolvable sutures? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, Renee. I wouldn't. I mean, I'd, I'd probably delve into this bad reaction because... Uh, by the way, Renee, you are on YouTube, which is pretty good, guys. We got we got a comment on YouTube, so thank you, Renee. Um, it is not uncommon to have a reaction, if you like, or, or the stitches to sort of spit out when you have a breast reduction. There's an awful lot of dissolvable sutures, and they can, uh, when they dissolve, they can sort of spit out and um, and and cause localized infections and cause problems. The issue is that, the, that when you do a breast reduction, a lift is always part of a reduction. And a lift means closing the skin tight. So whilst you do take away a lot of volume, you also close those skins tight to improve the shape of the breast. And when you're improving the shape of the breast, that means closing it tight. Any sort of body contouring is about closing skin tight because skin has been stretched and is, and is too loose. So when we try and make the shape better, more pert, if you like, we're closing the skin tight. And because we're closing the skin tight, the worry is that you know the wound will open because it's under a lot of tension. And therefore, we actually put several layers of sutures. And those deep layers, we use dissolvable sutures, rarely, not, on, not unheard of, but rarely do we use permanent sutures deep. Because if you use permanent sutures deep and they get infected, then you're in trouble because that suture is going to sit there forever. And if you get infection on that suture, then you're going to have to go in and take that suture out. Whereas dissolvable sutures dissolve. And so if you get infection, it's not so good. But when they dissolve, it all spits out and it's not so much of an issue. So we don't use permanent sutures deep underneath the skin. We use dissolvable sutures. And I personally wouldn't do a breast reduction with only using non dissolvable sutures, uh, I would have to say, look, y- you can't, well, I wouldn't do it without non dissolvable without dissolvable sutures, sorry, because you need to take the tension off that wound and you need several layers of closure to take the tension off and that has to be, with uh, dissolvable sutures um, and sorry, i probably delve into what your bad reactions were what were the issues and see if we could sort of work around it somehow because people do sometimes get uh, localized infections or what have you to the sutures if they've been in for a long time or the knots so are very big or you know if there's an, if there's an issue with it so we could try and sort of mitigate that and, and reduce your risk of that but couldn't say that you wouldn't get a, a you know a, a reaction to the sutures. But I just think that that would be beneficial to the doing it without the dissolvable sutures, and then just maybe just putting a a uh, permanent—not a a permanent—a non-dissolvable suture in the skin, which could then be removed. But without that deep closure, I wouldn't do it. Um, So I guess the alternative is to use permanent sutures deep, but again, I wouldn't do that. So you might find someone who could do that, but um, I wouldn't recommend it, and I wouldn't do it. I would have to use dissolve sutures if I was doing a breast reduction. Uh, Olivia, I had boob uplift, small implants, and tummy tuck done at the same time, Michelle. Boob hurts more than tummy. Oh, there you go. Uh, boob uplift, small implants. Yeah, well, there's an uplift and implants. That is quite a big deal. There you go. That's Olivia. So th- she's had it done. Aleandra. Oh, I like that. Um, I like that. What's it called? Emoji. Not emoji. The little picture. Anyway, um, I can't. Oh, there you go. I can't wait for my consultation with you tomorrow. Oh, there you go. Well, see you tomorrow then, Aleandra. And we'll talk about your emoji. It's not called a emoji. It's got a name, hasn't it? Bit Bitmoji, is it? Anyway, whatever. I also stopped. Oh, I've got a load of smokers coming in tomorrow. I also stopped smoking weeks ago. Well done. Well done, Aleandra. Good on you. Uh, Misha Monday. No. No what? Breast reduction and tummy tuck at the same time. Why not? Lisa says no. Olivia says yes. Court of public opinion right there. Donna T. Liking your honesty this evening and always. I was going to say, what do you mean this evening? Um, hope to see you again soon in sunny Droitwich Park. Donna, have a word with your managers. Have a word with them. Because I will come to Droitwich as often as you can give me the space. I am up for it. But um, Yes. We have, we have, you know, we have got patients who are keen, and I am keen, and I'm very happy um, to have lists adroit, which can be very happy to come back down there soon. I might have one, actually, I don't know, have I? Anyway, if I haven't, let's get on it. Olivia, Avatar, Avatar, yep. Good movie now, Avatar, those blue, is that what the woman's called, the little picture, Avatar, there you go, good. Oh, wow, I bet you look fabulous i have genuinely been looking into this for a long time so now so hoping to bite the bullet soon when i get to where i want to be weight wise absolutely get where you want to be weight wise michelle um my private journey big enough draw it with spa <laughs> so that's nice isn't it uh i like joint spa as well um yes it's, it's very nice and it's just down the road for me as well which is good um jade i've got a consultation on thursday flipping it we've got everyone who's got consultations this week here right okay um what is the weight like between consultation and surgery i'm so excited um again jade it depends what it is i'm assuming it's a bigger thing because uh the smaller things like mole cysts stuff like that we do them we even do them on the day but uh, so it's you know not not so much of a weight for the uh theater that i've got upstairs so i've got a theater in my not i'm not in my clinic now i'm at home so in, upstairs in my clinic um so um there's still still there's not much of a waiting list for the for the, for the local anesthetic cases that we do upstairs but for general anesthetic cases uh, which are things like yeah breast implants and things like that tummy tucks um it is uh i think a couple of months i'm not really sure to be honest with you um and most of the surgery jade i'll be honest with you is being done up in liverpool I am uh, I normally work down here in in uh, the Midlands but we haven't got many lists as you can see from which Spa I'm desperate you know Joywich which actually which is the only hospital giving giving me any lists to be honest with you Parkway have given me a couple but there's I haven't actually operated there because they keep on taking them back because they're being used by the NHS a lot of the hospitals including which are being used by the NHS but the pressure seems to be relieved relieving and so they are releasing some capacity so I am getting a few lists here and there um, but most of the work has been done up in Liverpool, where is uh, a clinic owned by my uh, a friend of mine who, where he's got a clinic where you can do local uh, general aesthetic cases. So that's where I'm doing most of my work. But um, so, in answer to your question, uh, Jade, it's a, I think it's a couple of months, I think. But when you come on Thursday, we'll tell you better about the next dates and stuff like that. Um, Boobs still look a bit alien to me, Olivia. Yes, Olivia. So Olivia, I don't know. So, um, and I've always, I think it's always good to talk to your surgeon, Olivia, because I know I am uh, I'm not your surgeon, so you need to speak to that. But they often do look a bit weird to start with. Um, but work closely, work closely with your surgeon. Jade, uh, breast enlargement. Okay, good. Well, then, yeah, a few months, I think it is Jade. Uh Rosie, do you work at hospitals near Leeds? If not, I will travel to see you, wanting tummy tuck. No, uh, Rosie. Uh, well, uh, as I say, Liverpool is the... I normally work in the Midlands, is is the, is the answer. Uh, I used to work at Priory and Parkway, two hospitals in the Midlands. I haven't been to either of them for over a year. Well, I did one case in Parkway, but literally one case, um, which I had to do, so it wasn't like... A, so I haven't been to either of them for, for over a year um because they're being used by the nhs as i say i have had a few lists at droid which which is in the midlands um but uh, most of my work is in liverpool so it's it's not like i work at lots of different hospitals i just work at hospitals local to where i am um but uh, at the moment liverpool's the only place i can get any consistent operating and it's lovely up there as well so i'm very happy to be going there vicky says i've had surgery but wasn't happy with the result I feel I've been fobbed off by CC. Um should my boobs have dropped and my tummy should should my boobs have dropped and my tummy has a vertical fold in the middle? How can that be corrected? Um so should my boobs have dropped? Okay, well always difficult, Vicky, in to, to answer these questions on a sort of um Uh, without sort of seeing you and examining you etc but in terms of your boobs dropped um, then the uh, they always start high so I'm assuming you had implants yeah so assume you got implants so they always start a bit high and they usually settle I say that things start to settle about three months so if you're less than three months don't worry about it at all If you're more than three months, then just see how you're going, because it might take longer. I say start to settle three months, can take six, 12, even 18 months for them to properly settle. Occasionally, they don't settle, particularly in my hands. And it's, it's, you know, it's not you're not my patient. So just what I say to my patients, if this if this is a problem, is um, particularly when they're under the muscle. So sometimes I find that the muscle can hold them up high. So that is one of the risks of putting them under the muscle. There's pros and cons of putting them under the muscle, but that is one of the cons of putting them under the muscle. And um, probably I would say, uh, Vicky, once a year I have to lower a set of implants and they're pretty much always under the muscle. So they always start high, they usually settle Every now and then they don't settle. So they, they, you know, if it's if you're, you know, months down the line and they're not settling and they're under the muscle, i would be thinking, oh, crikey, is the muscle holding them up? Do I need to go back in and release the muscle? Um, so that's one thing I'd be thinking personally. Uh, and my tummy tuck has a ver- so my tummy has a vertical fold in the middle. How can that be corrected? Um, again, Vicky, hard to say. I mean, obviously you've had a tummy tuck. I'm guessing depends on what sort of tummy tuck. I'm assuming it's not a fleur-de-lis. Or is it a is the fold you to de um Is a fold due you to your thing? I don't know, uh, Vicky. Uh, again, you have to give it months to settle. And if it's not settling, uh, how can that be corrected? I'm not sure, Vicky. I'd have to see you and see what's the fold and stuff. But, Vicky, what I always say is go back to your original surgeon. And you've got a very good surgeon there. So, you know, it's always best to work with, you, with your surgeon about that to... Um, to see what's what because they know what's happened and they know what they've done so they'll be in a better position to tell you what you know what uh, might be going on there um rosie says liverpool's okay big up liverpool vicky they have dropped too low i feel any other lift oh i see should I drop? obviously they've, they've dropped too low oh okay right i gotcha ah uh, right well again hard to say on, on a thing without <laughs> knowing what's going on but again another thing that i say about so is it i'm assuming you've had a lift then say another lift something that i go to great lengths to talk to people about in terms of lifts is that when you have a lift vicky it always starts up high and then it settles i'm not going to use the word drop because drop sounds bad but it does settle it settles to a sort of softer shape in your upper pole and sometimes people like hold on a minute it's dropped and it's drooped and i don't like it um if you want to keep it up there, then implants do keep the shape up there. But if you're not having implants, again, I'm assuming you're having a lift and not implants is maybe a big assumption. But if you're not having implants, then it does settle to what I would say is a more natural shape, but it's something you've got to be careful to explain to patients if they're having a lift because they sometimes feel that it's dropped and they're not happy with the shape and they want it fuller because in their mind, they've got what an implant looks like. But you can't get that look with a natural breast tissue. It always settles in my hands personally so i do go to i do try and explain that to patients uh preoperatively that uh that 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 shape so that might be what's happened i don't know vicky anyway best to talk to your surgeon about that those things and uh good luck with that and i think you know hopefully you'll be all right because um you know you've got a good surgeon and hopefully that. that'll be all good uh kimberly's got her surgery in two weeks today in liverpool and i'm so excited is it two weeks today kimberly is it because next week's bank holiday, isn't it? It is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Two weeks today, right? Let's let's have a let's have a you know thumbs up for Kimberly. Yes, very exciting, Kimberly. Two weeks today, right? Um, right. Look at this for a question. Look at that for a question. Are breast implants safe? Blimey, O'Reilly. What kind of question is that? Okay. Well, are breast implants safe? How do you answer that question? Okay. Well, I mean, what it comes down to are there complications with breast implants? Yes, there are, and we tell you, we talk about all the complications associated with breast implants. Now, the disclaimer—not disclaimer, the rider or whatever—the thing I would say is that uh, complications are very rare. Uh, there's a very low complication rate with uh, breast implants. So, um, all the things I talk about and i go through this with anyone who's having breast implants are very rare they're all very rare but they're out there so you've got to be aware of them because they are they do exist and there are risks and there are potential for complications and so you've got to weigh up those risks with the benefits so it would be wrong to say there's only benefits of breast implants and there's no risks there's nothing bad that can happen I don't think anyone would believe you if you said that because we've all got access to the internet etc and you can see that there are risks with breast implants so are they safe well there are risks that can happen with them you can get an infection if you get infection you have to remove it that means another operation you can get a hematoma blood collecting inside again that means another operation going back to the theatre and having washed out um, those are the sort of early stage risks longer stage the risks rupture the implant can rupture less of an issue these days they're made of cohesive gel which means that they are um, they are like a jelly so even if the shell ruptures they don't tend to uh, lose their shape unless you have a significant trauma like a car accident or fall off a horse or something then the whole thing can rupture so that's a risk later on There's the risk of capsular contracture, which is hardening around the implant. And that can can make you want to have them change because it can be uncomfortable. And you can also get something called ALCL, which is a cancer associated with that hardening. It's a cancer of the capsule, not breast cancer, but a cancer of the capsule. Um, And obviously that is a risk, extremely rare. 95% of cases are cured by removing the capsule, but it is a thing and something to be aware of. Um, there's also something called a um, breast implant illness where people feel ill with implants and have to have them removed because they they, they feel the implants have made them feel ill so definitely there are bad things that can happen with implants and you have to weigh up the bad things against the good things um, and that is for you to know what the good things are and what the benefits are going to be to you um, uh, whether it's worth taking on those risks so um, yeah have I answered that question? Big question there. Are breast implants safe? But you know, that's that's my answer there. Um, um, Kimberly, you won't see this, but on Instagram, my private journey says you're in great hands, Kimberly. There you go. You checks in the post, my private journey. Thank you for that, um, Kimberly. Yes, sure is infections. Nice, short, succinct comments there, Kimberly. Getting the comment uh, count up. Very good. Um, thank you for that. I've heard implants need to be changed every 10 years. Is this true? No, it is not true, Um, but they, I don't know where that came from, the ten years thing. So, um, but they can go hard. They can develop problems. Probably the most common one is going hard, capsular contracture, and that can happen around five or ten years. So, I do tell people having implants to think that they might need another pr- operation in five or ten years if it goes hard and gets uncomfortable. You don't have to have it removed though, if you get a capsular contracture, um, which is probably the most common thing to have it uh, to, to require them to be changed. Uh, As I say, you can get a rupture, but it often uh, keeps the shape unless it's, a, as I say, a significant trauma. So capsule contracture is probably the most common thing, which is hardening and making the implant feel uncomfortable. But you don't have to have it changed. If it's not that uncomfortable, if it doesn't feel too bad, I say to you, leave it. Leave it as long as you can, because when you have another implant, you can remove that capsule and put a new set of implants in. But when you do that, you create more scar tissue and another capsule comes quicker second time around. So I always say to people, leave it as long as you can. Uh, and don't go changing your implants too often. So um, by all means, get things checked out and come and see us. If you've had your implants in 10 years, just to say to you earlier, come back to the clinic. I'll, I'll see you. I'll examine you, see what's what, talk to you about pros and cons, what to look out for, et cetera. Um, maybe not pros and cons. I don't know why I say pros and cons. But anyway, um, but you don't necessarily have to have them changed. And in fact, you could create problems by changing the implants. So again, there's risks with changing your implants. You have to risks would have to be outweighed against the benefits. And if you've got no problems with them, the benefits might not be great. So uh, here we go, infections, brilliant. How soon after surgery can you drive? I'm gonna say two weeks, Kimberly. Sometimes people are okay after a week. We're talking about breast augmentation here. So sometimes people are okay after a week, but I'm gonna say two weeks is safer. Um, You might be okay after a week. Everyone's different. Some people are great at a week. Sometimes people are still a bit of discomfort at a week. So um, yeah. Um, can saline implants explode? Uh, hmm. First thing, I don't really use saline implants. Personally, I don't use saline implants. I think they use them uh, in America. Um, in this country, I just I don't think we do. I, I don't know anyone who uses them much, and I don't use them at all. Um, but I you mean, know, I can use them. Uh, but uh, uh, one of the risks of saline implants is they can deflate. I think explode. I'm not sure about exploding. I don't know what what sort of context that will be in, but they can deflate. Uh, that is a risk of saline implants, but it's one of the benefits of saline implants because if it deflates, it's just saline, it's just salt water, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't, as in, it's not harmful to your body. It matters because you lose volume in your breast, but um, uh, I think that's why people like them because they don't like the thought of silicone in their bodies. But saline implants do have silicone shells, so you do have some silicone, but obviously not as much as a silicone implant because it's a silicone shell with silicone gel, but. Um, But they can deflate. Yes, I I don't think they can explode, uh, but they can deflate. I think in in terms of the exploding, I think sometimes people worry about pressure, like in an aeroplane or diving and things, the things exploding. Now, the first thing in an aeroplane, the the cabin is pressurised. Second thing, if you're going to have enough pressure on your body to explode the implant, it's going to have quite a dramatic effect on your lungs and the rest of your body. So you'd be in a bit of a bad way. And I think your implants would be the last thing that you'd be worried about. So, uh, yeah, that's not really a thing. Implants exploding when you get in a plane or go diving or anything like that. What's going on? Brilliant. How soon? Oh, I'll do two to be safe. Yes, do two to be safe. Um, I don't have any sensation in my nipples since my breast reduction. Is this normal? Uh, Normal. Um, Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say normal. I mean, normal means it happens every time. But is this... um, it, 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 can this happen? Yes, it can happen. Now, the first question I'd ask, I don't know who's asked this question. I don't know if they're my patient or when they've had the surgery, but um, um, when you have the surgery, uh, it is often a problem early on. So when you first have the surgery, having numb nipples, sometimes increased sensitivity in your nipples is actually quite normal. I would say it is quite common, um, but it usually settles. If it's gonna settle, it takes nine to 12 months to settle. And it might not settle. It, you might have numbness in your nipples long-term. That is a risk of having a breast reduction. And it is related to how far you're moving the nipple. So if your nipple's very low and you're moving it a long way, uh, then you are going to have more risk of those those not getting enough nerve supply going to those nipples. Um, if, you're, if, if your nipple's not being moved so far, uh, for instance, in a lift or a smaller reduction, then the risk is less. So it is something to be aware of and to sort of go in. Hopefully, if you've had a breast reduction, hopefully you are warned of this pre-operatively because it is not unusual, certainly in the early stages post-operatively. And if it is going to come back, it takes many months for it to come back. And sometimes it doesn't come back. So there is a risk that you might have permanent problems. Although I must say, I've never really had anyone who's had an issue with it. I think it feels weird when you first have it. I think later on, it either comes back to life or you learn to live with it. And it does, either way, it doesn't become an issue, in my experience. Is your title Mr. or Doctor? Well, it is Mr. is the sort of official. You, you become a doctor when you pass your medical uh, degree and, and start working in the hospital. You, become, you get to be a doctor. And then when you specialize in surgery, you get the FRCS, which is a fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons. So officially, you become a Mr. then, uh, rather than a doctor. Uh, when you're a surgeon but uh, I think the um, uh, a lot of the public don't sort of um, don't, don't, well not uh, not even the public everyone sort of doesn't realize that someone called Mr. Stoyano is a doctor so sometimes like for instance on Twitter I'm Dr. JJ Stoyano my Twitter name yeah, because I think Mr. JJ Stoyano doesn't really it sounds a bit sounds a bit weird sounds a bit you know a bit of an idiot doesn't it so anyway but anyway, yeah i i'm happy to be called anything mr or doctor or jj um without either of them but officially it's a mister yes so on my um i quite like to be honest with you to be quite honest just between you and me i do quite like being a, a mister i don't really want to be doctor because you go to the you know shop and buy something with a credit card there's a doctor makes you look like you know something special doesn't it so I, i'm just happy being blending in and being mr just like everybody else so i'm, I'm quite i think i'm mr on my passport and everything like that so um yeah i just blend in with all the other misters uh but yeah mr officially um oh hold on a minute what's this kim how to i'll do two how many surgeries do you do in one day depends uh nicole nicole um depends on what the surgery is so obviously if you're doing a molar assist that can take an hour so you can do 10 of them in a day um actually that's crazy i wouldn't do 10 in a day but anyway it doesn't take long you could i suppose i wouldn't i don't need a few but um i I think you're probably talking about bigger operations so sometimes you do a bit like we're talking earlier about breast reduction and a tummy tuck i mean that's um that's a good five good five or six hours of surgery so if i was doing a a, you know what that's one one surgery because that's one person having a breast reduction and a tummy tuck so i might just just do that in a day or maybe do that in one other case but most normal i mean you see like a breast implants would take about an hour breast reduction takes about three hours tummy tuck takes about three hours breast lift takes about three hours so um you know mastopexy two and a half so it depends on the op you know if it's just breast implants you can easily well i say easily you could you could easily do four in a day um you could pu- push it and maybe do five uh, or i could i know some patients they do like loads and loads in a day if it's bigger cases like tummy tucks and, and things like that i think three would be would be a good day if, you, if you've got three bigger cases you know three three hour cases i think that would be a a good day 10 hours or you know 10 hours of operating so um as i say it depends on the length of the surgery so Broadly speaking, three or four ops is sort of reasonable, you know, in a day. For me anyway, I'm not a sort of one of these people who stacks them high and gets, you know, starts at eight in the morning and finishes at midnight. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that sort of guy. Um, how many years of medical school does it take to become a plastic surgeon? Well, what you have to do is you have to do medical school, which is six years. I think, I think you do five years of medical school. Then when I did it, you do you could do an extra year to get another degree, which was quite common. So five or six years of medical school, and then obviously you become a doctor. So then you start working in a hospital. And then it's all changed since I did it. I did it, you had to do things called, you did a health officer for a year, then SHO for two or three years, then regis- then, then a research for a year, and then registrar for six years or so. Um, so it is become a bit more streamlined, but it's about, I think it's about six or seven years now, uh, post-medical school. Um, so you do five or six years in medical school then i think six or seven years post medical school um, to become a plastic surgeon so uh, as i say when i did it you you did je- you did medical school to become a doctor then you did um general surgical training where you just did a bit of orthopedics a and e general surgery whatever cardioth you know cardiothoracics or plastics or just you know whatever and then you got your frcs then you became a fellow of the royal college of surgeons then you became a mister and then you were sort of qualified to do things like appendectomies and and uh, you know things like that. So you could do, you know, you were, you were a surgeon, but you were quite a junior surgeon. You were still a junior doctor. And then you go into subspecialty training, which took six years. Uh, and that's where you get the FRCS PLAST. So that's subspecialty, subspecialty training after uh, getting your FRCS. I think it's all changed now that they're doing it sooner. But uh, broadly speaking, it's, you know, ages basically like t- 10 years so what year 30 i don't know late 30s or something by the time you finish it all and you've got all the exams all along the way and then you've got exam at the end of it all so you're in your late 30s and you've still got exams and you're trying to get this frcs plus you have to do an exam you have vibers and you have to get examined and you get patience and all that sort of stuff so it's um it's a long haul to be honest with you it is a long haul um that's why i look like this this salt and pepper yeah lost it all long haul that's what it is right hashtag last question uh this is the last question i have got on the books so after this question i'm out on the books um how likely are stretch marks after an enlargement i know it can be a visual but i never see them on your photos yes well that's because i i can't say i never get them because i have got them And I think I used to say two patients, but I think I saw someone a while ago. It's probably a year ago. So who had them. So it might be three patients. But then I saw one of the patients, one of the three came back and they got better. Um, But still, I'm going to say three. So it's not common. It is not common. I think people will will do worry about that. And it's it's not common. Um, But I think. It, it, it depends on how much you know if you're putting in big big implants then i would imagine it would be worse you would you would think when you because you're stretching the skin more and i'm not really that guy I, I make no bones about the fact that i don't really put these massive massive implants in you know i'm not really that person i would always respect the width of the breast i don't go wider than the base width of the breast and i don't put these big um Implants in, which is your general public's perception of what breast implants are. I think the public think that that's all we do all day, put these enormous implants in, but that's not true at all. um Most people at implants who are having implants just want to look normal, in proportion, comfortable in their skin type thing. They don't want to look like, oh my God, look at her. So I'm not the guy that puts them in that makes them totter around with these enormous melons. And uh, maybe if you are that guy, you're going to get more stretch marks so i try and respect the the anatomy of the of the of the breast and so i don't touch wood get uh stretch marks very often but i can't say i never get them so as i have as i say i have had um well three patients who have had had them Had had had, had them. uh we go where can i find your breast list uh nicole what you do is you request a price on the website and then we'll send you an email with a price all automated nicole it's all more cons so i think there's a button somewhere on the on the website startingplasticservice.co.uk and it'll say request a price and you click there and it, uh, you know if it's on the breast implant page and it sends you a price for breast implants um where can i find melons that was classic J. <laughs> I don't do melons, Olivia. You know that. You know that. Come on. Nicole, thank you. Thank you, Nicole. So, without further ado, I'm done. I'm done. I hope that was helpful. I will be, if you have any burning questions you haven't asked, get on there and ask. I'll be back here next week, um, uh, Tuesday. Seven o'clock after the bank holiday, bank holiday weekend, guys. Just realized it's a long weekend coming, so now are you Come on? So, I'll be seeing you after the bank holiday weekend. Thank you, my private journey, because you big me up. Uh, I won't forget it, won't forget you bigging me up. Thank you for that. And I will great QA, Jackie, beginning and end. Jackie, honestly, biggest fan. Look at that. Jackie started on Facebook and ended on Instagram. Look at that. So, I will good night, Olivia. Have a good evening. I will check myself out at this hotel and I will see you back the next week, 7 pm. Have a lovely evening and um, thank you all for your participation and your lovely questions. See you next Tuesday. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.